to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, a proud member of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network. Welcome to another episode of You're Smarter Than Us. This is Tim. I've got Pat with me. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I am alive on a Sunday morning. It is not raining. I've got a little bit of a hangover. It is 9.30 after a game last night, so I don't blame you for that at all. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we played a game last night and suffered, suffered our first loss of the season. Not very happy about it, to be honest with you, Tim. But, you know, I think there's some things that we can take away from it leading towards the end of the year. But this is our first loss of the year, too, as you know. 2-1, we hadn't given up more than a goal a game. Oh, some things to get into. What was different with this game than maybe the past few games, Pat? Well, what I noticed is we really miss Smith on the back line. That guy has been a rock for us. I know that he had the yellow card accumulation, so he was out. But him and Grulé have been really great this year um, to playing together. Again, until today, we were averaging, giving up just a little under a goal a game. And I think that's due to their partnership. And then if you just look at the way they they work together, Smith is vocal and Grulé is a huge physical presence. And I think that's been a real rock for us in the back. And Joyner and Bolin too have done a really, really great job. And so last night, giving up two goals, I thought we really missed his presence, like both, both uh, physically but then the way that you see that he talks in all the game and he's communicating, he seems like he's a real leader for the team. Yeah, it was, it was a frustrating game. Chattanooga certainly came to play without a shadow of a doubt. We want to give a big shout out to the Chattahooligans. They came out in force. Yeah, they, they did. Not exactly sure where it's going to be on the pod, but you'll hear an interview with Greg Cooper of the South Soap Blues. Either you just heard it or you're about to hear it. And when we did word association, he called them good guys and kind of mentioned how the Chattahooligans are something we should really aspire to emulate and copy. And, and I... 100% agree with that because they came out, they had, what would you say, maybe 25, 30 fans there, minimum? Minimum 30 fans. Like, I mean, they got a charter bus. Um, I, I think I told you, Tim, I actually sat with them during the game and I had a conversation with one of the hooligans. I mean, they actually, he told me, uh, I think the man's name was John, that in some games they actually outnumber the home fans. I mean, they turned up I mean, they had a big drum. They had the big flags that were going the entire time. And I'm talking the entire game. I don't think they let up once. And you could tell that the players really played for them because every time they scored, they immediately ran over and ported, uh, pointed to the supporter section. And I mean, the, the, their supporters really got behind them. So yeah, shout out to the hooligans for doing a great job of creating their own atmosphere for their players. Definitely something that we would love to match in the next coming games and so. And again, unfortunately, they had a little bit more to celebrate than we did. The first goal, I believe, came in the 39th minute, second goal in the 61st, and then Cameron Saul, welcome back Cameron Saul, slotted one in in the 80th minute. From where I was standing, we I stood behind Parker on in the first half, and then behind the goal we were shooting on the second half. Uh, from the from the entire length of the field, right, literally 30 seconds before they scored their first goal. I, I, I can't, I don't have the stream up yet, so I'm trying to do this off memory and from my vantage point, but it looked like maybe Perez put a ball into the box or maybe even sh took a shot. It ricocheted off the off the crossbar and then maybe even hit the post um, I jumped up I thought it was a goal everyone around me thought it was a goal I'm not sure how it went in 
and they, within 20 seconds of organized passing, got the ball up, counter counterattacked, and slotted one in. It was a, it was <laughs> a wave of emotions all within 60 seconds, to say the least. So yeah, it's one of those things too where you need a leader who, when things don't happen immediately, are still focused on understanding that the ball is still in play and stopping it. And you know, it was a good counterattack, and they and they were able to score. So it's not it's not always someone's fault, but it makes you wonder. Like you watch Smith at the back this year, and you see him yelling at people and organizing the defense would he been as been have been as caught off guard as we were off the counter because you're right i mean when the ball hits the post i mean you're you kind of are in awe people are wondering what's going on is it in is it not in but then you see the counter and that's kind of what killed us in the first half but i mean we, we were still playing well because up until that point i was saying probably that early 30th minutes we were getting some good opportunities and good chances great link up play between andrande and perez up there I'd like to see a little bit more out of N4 when we get into that final third because, again, we haven't scored more than, like, except for uh, that one game where we scored three. We haven't really scored outside, and we're not really, we're creating enough chances, but not the right type of chances I feel like have on on, as, on the team. Um, Again, the, the link up from Perez, really happy to have that guy back. And Andrade seems like he's fitting in really well. I, I, I think he's Brazilian. So there's fluid play right there, but we're just not having that final clinical finishing touch in the final third that I like to see from us that it seemed like we had a little bit more last year. I can't really put my finger on exactly what's going wrong because you are absolutely right. There are chances in the box. There's just not a lot of finishing. Elna 4 again last night had, I believe, one or two chances that I saw where he just couldn't get his feet sorted. Maybe it was an issue of footing. Maybe it was an issue of not being able to pivot quick enough. But it seemed like his, it wasn't even a first touch issue. It maybe was just getting his feet underneath him. Whereas last year, maybe he would have, you know, swiveled at the hips a little bit quicker and slotted these in. But he still only has one goal on the season, and it was from a PK. The Cameron Saul goal that did come in the 80th minute was a beautiful, kind of right there at the penalty spot, got the ball at his feet and just drove it in. No ands, ifs, or buts. Didn't try to get cute with it. Just put it in the, I guess to the keeper's left, got the ball back midfield and kept going. The last 10 minutes of the game were were intense. We had lots of chances. We tested their keeper. Unfortunately, within, I think there was three minutes of added time. All of our crosses in those last three minutes though were too high, too low, couldn't get past the first man in the wall on one of the free kicks. We were lacking that moment of creation where there's that one player who just steps up and it's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna create space for myself. I'm gonna create a good ball for my teammates. I'm gonna put it where it needs to be. Someone go find find it and meet it. Put it in. I think our team's very good. And when you look at the creativity of everything that we have, we have Dealey on the team. I like Andrande. I've seen moments from Perez as well, and Cuts has shown us a number two. And I like when Joiner overlaps in Boland. We have we we're creating enough opportunities, but we're just lacking that someone who's got it down time in time out. This is that ball. I think Dealey of all people I've seen so far this year has created great balls over the top, good through balls, good opportunities. But again, we keep saying this. This is the second time now. We're not finishing. We're not. We're lacking that killer touch where you get you only get one or two touches in the box, if that. Maybe even just a quick volley just to put it on target. And we're not doing that enough to give us, well, we're looking at the standings when we were talking about this before. We're chasing teams like New Orleans, Chattanooga, Nashville's ahead of us on goal difference right now. And so we're in a strong position to make the playoffs, but if we want to do something in the playoffs and really start challenging at the top end, we need to put a few more of these opportunities in goal. Like last night, 
we lost the game. And there's nothing wrong with the loss, but there was more than enough, I felt like, chances and momentum to try to equalize. And those sort of losses into equal uh, to, to draws and draws into win really start developing a championship mentality that'll carry you through uh, to the playoffs. You know, maybe give you an upset or two. Yeah, let's talk table just for a second. So the NPSL, guys, if you don't know, because of uneven scheduling and not all teams will play the same amount of games across all the different divisions. The South region, the South Conference in the NPSL has four subdivisions, and we are in the Southeast, which contains eight teams. Chattanooga, New Orleans, International Ash Nashville, Asheville, Georgia Revolution, Atlanta Silverbacks, Greenville FC, and Emerald Force FC. So the way they they do the playoffs is actually points per game, not total points. So as of this morning, if, if I did my Sunday morning math correctly, Chattanooga is at the top of the table with 2.2 points per game. New Orleans is second with two points per game. International Asheville and Asheville, Nashville, and Asheville. <laughs> it's hard to even say international Nashville. There's so many nations in there. Oh my gosh. We, yeah. we both have 1.5 points per game, but they are above us on goal differential. Georgia Revolution has 1.3, Atlanta Silverbacks 1.2, Greenville FC, 0.8, and poor Emerald Force FC at 0.3. So again, the way the NPSL will do the playoffs is the top six teams actually make the playoffs. So we're, we're looking really good there. The top two teams will get first round buys. Three will play six and four will play five with each of the hires hosting. And then one will play the lowest seed that's remaining. Two will host the, the highest seed remaining out of, I guess that'd be... It's the playoff style. It's the hockey playoff style. You, essentially, the highest seed will play the lowest seed in each round. And, and I think is what Tim's trying to say. So, and right now, we're in that three-four slot, just based on uh, goal difference with International Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> so when we're looking at the schedule, Chattanooga is actually leading the table with in who we played last night. And let's give him credit. Those guys came in. They did the business. I think there's things that we could have done to pull out a draw. However, we weren't clinical enough by any means where I thought we were going to pull out. I mean, in the beginning part of the game when it was 0-0, optimism was there. But when they hit us on that counter, they scored that first goal. The way that their fans were supporting them and they weren't letting up. And you could tell they, they were playing for the hooligans, Chatta hooligans. It, it, they played a good game. And again, I, I think Smith, I'm going to keep, this is the third time I'm saying it. Smith, you do a great job in the back. We noticed your presence being gone. Dealey. We know you only get about 10 minutes in the game. We think that you're creative. We'd love to see more from you. Perez, welcome back to the team. We're excited to see what you have to offer this year. Cuts and Andrade. Hey, you know what? You guys are a little bit newer to the squad, but we've been impressed with what we've seen. I, I, I like the buildup of the squad. Um, I'd like to see more out of N4. I'd like to see him get a goal from open play. And I don't think that's too much to ask for from your striker having played... I mean, we've been we've played six games, and I know he was out for a game with the red card, so a game and a half. But you know, still in that time, that's uh, four and a half games. I mean, if you're not getting, uh, if you only have one goal in four games as a striker, I mean, it, I think it's fair that we can ask you to step up. We know you're capable, but Omar, come on, my man, get us a goal from open play. We'd love to see that from you. So, guys, just to give you a little bit of a heads up, what is coming up? The these games are now about to come fast and heavy. So next Saturday, the men travel to Knoxville to play the Emerald Force, and then we. Play play a, a very tight three games in what is that five days we play we host 
Emerald Force at Memorial, and then travel to Nashville. Yeah, two days later. We play on the 14th, we play the Emerald Force. Two days later, we have to travel to Nashville. Three days later, we're playing Nashville back at home. That's between the 14th and the 19th. Um, so yeah, this can be a, quite a stack of games going on there. And if, that'll be a huge part of our season because again, I think we should make the playoff, but seeding will be huge in International Nashville. Oh, you know, I'm just going to call them International. That's going to be <laughs> way easier. Uh, Inter Nashville uh, and us again. We're we're tied on points per game. They're leading us in the goal score difference. So those will be huge games because Emerald Force guys. Just to let you know they are the bottom of the table right now. That means there's no. That means we need to be focused because if we're if we lose points to these guys, um, we're not setting ourselves up well. So I'd love to see some focus over the next two games. Let's try to beat them home and away, and then I think it'll be a big series with Nashville before we get into that home stretch before the playoffs. I'm actually looking forward to it. I, I'd love to see our team again we have a good buildup defensively i think our team is is playing pretty good you know i'd give them sixes and sevens not quite eight sets because we've only had that one uh shutout so far this year and now we're giving up about a goal a game and again with that i want we're only averaging a little over a goal a game like i've we have there's we need some more creativity up there and i think we have it and again you know what just to your point tim too uh and four had the red card earlier this year and so with that the chemistry between him and Andrade and Cuts and Perez just got back from uh, international duty. You know, we understand that's going to take time. However, you know, when you see someone like Cameron, so we have someone like Cameron Saul who just came back and in the just what is it? The um, I think he only played for about thirty minutes, but he gets you a goal in there, and there's excitement. I think there's some there's going to be some interesting choices to make if we're going to get a good goal return over the the second half of the season with people like Cameron Saul being there and trying to figure out the right the right mix. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I also desperately want to know what is happening with Tom Dealey and why after such a bright start to the season, he seems to be coming off the bench. And not only is he coming off the bench, but he had the two games where he came in at halftime. And I thought after he came on, we actually played a little bit better. And then he came in, I believe, the last game, not exactly at halftime, but a little after. And then this game, he came on at the 82nd minute. Yeah. That That's a creative force. And, and even when he came on again three minutes of out of time so he was maybe on the pitch for 11 minutes those 11 minutes were you know even though the drive was on us to score at that point to level so of course we were going to be a little more front-footed he he created more he had a beautiful move down onto onto the end line and then crossed it back over it was one of our more dangerous moves in those last 11 minutes and it it was almost an immediate impact and I would love to know why he hasn't been starting games if it's a fitness issue if it's just chemistry with everyone else if you're trying to get Andrade and Perez in the same team and so you're preparing for that leading up to this it may have been a matchup too because let's be honest Chattanooga was a very good team last very night. big huge and Tom Dealey is is not a mountain of a man by any means no no very good with his feet but when you have a guy like Andrade who you see him out there he's quick he's, he's agile maybe the approach was a little bit more that style of play and maybe that's what the coach wanted i mean coach giordano we think you're doing a really good job with the team we're not questioning your tactics we do just have questions where and it makes sense to me though too if because if, you see in the 76th minute he put in watt for more Caldwell. And, you know, if, if based on where he plays, you know, you're trying to make sure you don't give up another goal. So maybe he was just trying to wait out the storm and then put Dealey on for that last flurry like we saw to try to get that equalizer. 
That is true. Watt is, is certainly a bundle of energy, and I, he, he's been my favorite player to watch this season just in terms of running left to right, box to box. He he never tires, so that certainly makes sense. More Cowell is just a defensive stalwart, and so in that 76 minute, go ahead and sit him down when you know you need a goal. Maybe you, you're probably right. He was waiting on that, and then once we got the goal, Bolin, who was on the back right yeah put Dealey in for him and then maybe uh, did they move to a back three at that point I, they were definitely playing more pressing um and, and you know in the last two minutes of the game when it's more hectic it's kind of watch your area you want to you want to define roles i mean maybe a, a right wing back would would be a, a replacement but I wasn't quite sure of his position I mean during those last few minutes we were really working hard trying to get that equalizer goal however you know we play a lot of balls into the box a lot of crosses which I'm a huge fan of put put the ball in an, in an area and let your creative players let's see what happens it doesn't seem like we can, it doesn't seem like we latch onto those balls quite a, quite enough and it doesn't seem like we have a guy who can latch on the way that we want to as much as we'd like to do we have that guy on the bench does Giordano not know does did we not have any other options? But it seemed like, what did we do in that game where we scored three goals and, and one? What did we do differently there? Was it was it just the opponent, you know? like I mean, some games are situational. Sometimes, um, like, we watched a game where the backup keeper got a red card, you know, in the, in the first half. That's that, I mean, so sometimes you can't just take one game out of context be like, oh, if we scored three goals this game, we should do it every game. So there's things there. And you know what? Maybe what we don't see in training is these guys linking up just really well. And maybe the form's just off and we're having to play our way into form because if you know if M4 is in form and he's knocking in goals like we're gonna we're gonna talk about you more but right now we're not seeing the goal production and what we're looking for from a striker from a team that we'd like to see go to the playoffs and, and make a run in the playoffs is we need to see a little bit more from that target Our women rock, everybody. Our <laughs> women freaking rock. 4-0, coming in hot. Have I watched the game? Absolutely not. I was talking to uh, our CFO of this team, Jimmy Wheeler, about it the other day. And, I mean, we're excited. And, if you again, we're going to throw a plug in here. If you have not come see, have, have come and seen our women play, Tim mentioned this earlier or maybe later, depending on what he puts into the podcast. I, I or maybe it was Greg who said it. Let's see the men and women play a friendly game. <laughs> like you know, like hey, you know, will the men be more physically empowering uh, than the women? Fit? Of course, because I mean, if you look at this, some of the size of our guys like Grelay and Smith, those guys are rocks. However, if you're looking at the fluidity of the play, our women are playing well. They they're beautiful to watch. Great soccer. Uh, Coach Eunice is doing a fantastic job with them. Again, I've, I said this to you multiple times off the podcast, not to put any pressure on them, but I kind of expect them to kind of to win, to challenge, to be at the top near the top of the table come end of the year. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, I think it's just logical at this point. We we have not lost a game. We have a plus 13 goal differential. Next, <laughs> next Saturday, we're going to Greensboro to play the Carolina Dynamo again. That was 6-0. That That's was 6-0 in the pouring rain on a slow pitch. We, we probably should have been more. We don't play again at home for a while. That's the one thing that I would like to see more of is the opportunity to see the women play more games. I know that they will in the future. It's our first year, but man, they are exciting. They are. We play on June the 12th. 
we play uh, Buford County FC. Is that Florida? No. Uh, oh, South Carolina? South Carolina, I'm assuming. That's Tuesday, June the 12th at 7 o'clock at Memorial. And we're playing a few away games. We play Lake Norman, who we just beat on the 21st and then on the 27th oak city so there's there's a few left and then we play charlotte on june 30th so it looks like it's definitely skewing more home games towards the end of the season and again we want more home games we want to watch this beautiful football it is it is so exciting to have two teams uh, in one city here in Asheville. i know that's the slogan two teams one city but man we're excited to have the the women's team here you know, let's go ahead and shout out to everyone who came to the game uh, last night. 2,500 fans showed up to Memorial Stadium. And that place, I mean, it was packed. It was a beautiful night to watch soccer. Uh, I'd like to see us be louder than the Chattahooligans. It seemed like they, they went the entire game. And our South, uh, South Slope Blues did a great job as well. But, I mean, even as uh, Greg mentioned, uh, speaking with him earlier, this, the founder, those guys kind of set the bar for what it means to be a supporter uh, here at our division. Yeah, there's certainly something we can strive to emulate again. They The club has been around since 2009, so they've got a little more footing underneath them. They play in Finley Stadium, which if you guys have never been to, is just a massive, massive uh, football, college football stadium. And they regularly get, I believe, like four, five, six thousand people there for their home games. They've sold it out before when I think think it was the Seattle Sounders came for a friendly preseason friendly it may have been the Seattle Sounders U23 I forget exactly what it was but they they sold that bad boy out so they've got their act together guys and can you believe that Chattanooga Tennessee of all places is a soccer hotbed right now I mean look the the, the numbers that they're turning out to watch is is pretty incredible I mean you're talking about soccer in the United States and us being able to pull top talent and to actually try to compete to actually win World Cup and again this will be part of our, our later podcast when we talk bigger picture World Cup and where we love to see US soccer but when you have places like Chattanooga Tennessee pulling out six seven thousand people how does that not get you excited about the prospect of like our top talent because again right now where we're at as the United States we have extremely athletic individuals and I think if people uh, focus more on being soccer players we'd have a better chance of actually competing in the World Cup because you know I don't think our talent is as good as a place like Brazil where they wake up and like and they're born with a soccer ball at their feet like that country is just magical in the way that it produces soccer talent but you look at the athletes that we have here in the United States man if we could get a few of those guys like technical like a Chris Paul or something like that someone like that who's got great vision in basketball and if you could translate that to a soccer pitch I think that the the reach that we're expanding to as U.S. soccer as a whole in places like Chattanooga Tennessee, uh, Tennessee here in Asheville is beginning to grow and hopefully you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now, we'll be able to see the rewards at the senior level because the youth are getting excited about it. Yeah, that's always, always, always one of my favorite things to see at all these games is the amount of youth out at them. I love what the team's doing with the Just Play initiative. Again, guys, I'm going to hound this all season long because I'm I'm kind of falling on my own sword. I talked about how I kind of misinterpreted the club's message after that wonderful night in Trinidad and Tobago and how he said well the club said that it was a grassroots we you know we we got to do what we can and the just play initiative is doing all of that and one of those things is those reduced tickets getting the kids there and you know we're we're Asheville we've got the tourists we we don't have a whole lot of professional sports in the area you got to travel far but we are kind of a soccer hotbed and and the more that the youth can see the game played at a semi-professional level and see the crowds that are coming out for it it's a 
self-perpetuating kind of self-fulfilling prophecy there that maybe one of those little five-year-old kids that's just kicking a ball or rolling down the hill and not paying too close of attention but kind of stares up in wonderment at the smoke and the whistles and the drums and you know that you don't really get that in other sports you don't get that in basketball you don't get that in college football to per se marching bands obviously but not not at that kind of fan organized level it's something very unique to soccer and i i hope it inspires the right people i love that Asheville City has so many homegrown players playing for them over the course of their summer, coming back from college or having graduated for college and moved back to the area. I think that's inspiring. I, and by the way, let's one person we have not talked about on this podcast too. You know, you we think you're doing a good job. We know that it's not always your fault. Sick, uh, Siegfried and Goal. Hey, you do, you're doing well. We appreciate what you do. Um, you know, sometimes we can only you only get judged on on what we see and what we've seen of you. Definitely not bad. Very happy to have you back there. Let's see a world class save. Let's give us something to talk about. Let's get excited. <laughs> he had a couple in that Atlanta game, actually. The one nil, I believe it was yeah. our first shutout of the of of the club's existence, which is pretty phenomenal. We've never shut. We've never had a shutout before. No, not before that one. That means we're producing exciting, entertaining football. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had two or three unbelievable world-class blocking uh diving up into the left sure goals i'm not sure how many goalkeepers on almost any level would have gotten to him again having stood right behind him first half last night i think so much of it is also positional awareness knowing just knowing how to marshal that defense to cut off angles and knowing where he needs to be to make the most out of who's in front of him one of the things i did notice last night that kind of runs counterintuitive to what i was saying earlier on on last podcast whereas in the first few games of the season parker was very his distribution was a lot of long balls, a lot of goal kicks, and he has completely stepped back from that and is building play from the back. Almost all of his distribution last night was rollouts and passes to his back four, and it was working. I, I was really surprised to see that. I guess it's actually been happening for a few games now. Yeah, it has been. I haven't, I haven't really noticed them kick, uh, I just call it punching the ball forward, just due to the fact that if that again, that, that goes back to what we're talking about before. We don't have much size, and the size of the defender in the league this year are bigger. So we don't really have someone who I think is going to be challenging for those those balls over the top right now. At least not that we've seen. Maybe Cameron Saul will be a little more of a physical presence up there. Maybe we will, but yeah. I have no problem with playing out the back in the way that we, we have been building up the attack. And again, we've said this. We're creating, if we're creating chances. We'd like to see people to latch on and maybe again be more clinical with them not always ball so many highs so many balls so high in the cross or too low but you know really focus on working on like hey if i hit the ball too high last time what do i need to do to get it at the right level time and really show that focus because i think the talent and the skill is there we i would have loved to have seen us put together one move at the end to make that again the game go from a loss to a draw all right guys that's gonna do it this week for the you're smarter than us podcast you guys are way smarter than us you can't (laughs) tell by the way that we talk but we hope to see you guys out at a game And just remember, you're smarter than us. Guys, coming up next, we've got an interview with Greg Cooper of the South Slope Blues, the fan supporter group of the Asheville City Soccer Club.
Welcome guys to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. I want you guys to picture a game day experience, walking through the arches of Memorial Stadium, making your way up into the fan supporter section. You walk past a sign that says you are entering the fan supporter section. You will be subjected to chants and smoke. As you come up the steel barriers and the, you're gonna run into drummers, a little bit of smoke, and really what makes Asheville the best. You're gonna see all genders, races, and a collection of fans. And with us, we've got Greg Cooper, one of the leaders, one of the founders of South Slope Blues. Hey, Greg. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. We've also got Pat with us. Welcome back, everybody. Guys, we're recording this actually in the uh, spider-infested press box of Memorial Stadium. Um, <laughs> if you hear Pat scream like a little girl, that's right. You can just assume he's been bit, and I'll be looking for a new co-host. Um, <laughs> Greg, so the South Slope Blues. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with soccer and how the South Slope Blues came to be? Sure. Um, so I don't really have much of a soccer background per se. Um, I grew up playing football and. I grew up in Hendersonville, which is close, and if you know Asheville, it's more of a rural community. Um, my brother-in-law was working in NASCAR, and his boss was George Gillette at the time. So this is like 2008, and he was the owner of Liverpool. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so like I was getting like Christmas presents of jerseys and stuff, but I had no idea what it was until I transferred to Veritas in Asheville, and I went to school with Pat's brother, graduated from Veritas. Veritas. A little shout out for all the <laughs> classical education out there. Because um, we need the shout out. <laughs> but they need it. Um, but yeah, so like as soon as I got there, then that was more of like the Asheville community. I saw the culture and then I started to want to like follow the game. So I started following Liverpool, fell in love there, just started watching all of the soccer I could at the time. It wasn't really broadcasted on everything, but I think that was after like 2008, that was more of like a culture push towards watching more soccer. There was it was on more broadcasts and stuff. I think so. that's when NBC started broadcasting it yep. too, right? You could actually yep. walk it because yeah, because when I graduated high school in 2008, there I couldn't find a game on television except for a Champions League final or no. something like yep. that. And then it was Fox Soccer. They had Fox Soccer, and then yep. they made the FS1. Um, but yeah, so like I really I never really played. But once I went to like a school in Asheville, I started to see like all of my friends, like you know them, they all played soccer. Yeah. Uh, and so it was more of like, this is what the cool kids do. It's not the cool kids playing football, <laughs> it's like they watch soccer. So uh, I'm probably dragging on, but like I went to school in Charlotte and I, that's how I met Josh Fisk, who is the other part of South Slope Blues. Um, awesome, awesome team. And uh, got to see the Charlotte Independence launch. We were inaugural members of that. And oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so whenever we moved back, uh, we kind of we fell into a soccer town. So. And how did how did you guys start? And who, how, like, which one of you guys had the idea to actually start South Slope Blues and actually create like a supporters group for the local team? Probably six or seven years ago. Not a lot of people crammed into the back room at Beer Garden watching soccer. And so whenever we came back from school, uh, Ryan was like, hey, spitballing, what if we had like a big soccer team in Asheville? You think it would do good? We were just, we don't care what league it is. We have no idea of like what it is, but we would support. So it kind of turned into that. And once we knew that there was actual team coming, we knew we wanted to be separate from the team be non-affiliated so we can say the things that we actually feel 
but just the working relationship with the team. So what makes the South Slope Blues unique in the NPSL? I know Greenville just started their first year and right. their Milltown operatives are all over social media. It sounds like they're doing pretty well. There's of course the uh, Atlanta Ultras, all four of them. Close to our hearts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Chattahooligans. Am I pronouncing that correctly? But but what makes the South Slope Blues unique? Well, it's honestly the culture of Asheville. We just try to embody that because, and it's hard to explain if you haven't been, if you've never been to Asheville. Um, it's just, it's a weird eclectic. And I've heard the term Portland, like the East Coast Portland, or like Austin and the mountains, kind of a deal but it's just such a, a different culture. And we tr we've looked at different uh, sporter groups um, and we kind of wanted to see how we ha wanted our identity to be. Um, and with Chad Hooligans are awesome, really nice guys. And we saw some how we wanted to be like them. And then we saw some other sporter groups that we did not want to really embody so just a happy mixture of that just being able to watch and kind of see like okay they're like this we like that we don't like this kind of nitpick um but honestly like there's nothing that we're doing that's different it's just the culture here that's kind of like taking on the identity of South Slope Blues. Yeah, one of the things that I think is the most impressive is Asheville City is actually in the top 10 of the NPSL attendance nationwide. What do you attribute that sort of attendance statistic to? It's, I mean, it's nothing that we've done. I can tell you firsthand, like whenever we started preseason of last year, we had no idea what to expect. We, <laughs> and we were all on pins and needles before the first game thinking, okay, well, we're here with flags and smoke and we have no idea who's coming and like it just like people showed up and there was a presence and honestly it's just it's the town at the end of the day it's just the town like it's a it's a city bred on soccer and there's a huge I mean the adult leagues here are super competitive um, and it's just a reflection of that I think yeah, the very first women's game I believe we had 1742 yep. people come out they have only played here, I believe, twice, unfortunately, but we should be getting a good chunk of home games. What, what has the South Slope Blues reaction been to the women's inaugural season? We love them. They're amazing. They're really good. They're really good. They're, like, fundamentally so freaking good. There's, I mean, I'm probably going to get a lot of stick for it, but we would love to see a men's versus women's team. <laughs> and I guarantee you that they would take the boys to the woodshed. Like, they're just so, so good. They're so fundamentally sound. Pat always has fantastic kind of observations when he's watching it in terms of, Pat, how do you describe it as a, like strength as opposed to tactics? Or? They're fluid on offense. They're extremely fluid. If you watch their games, I mean, you see six goals in one game, three goals in another on the road. I mean, the way they put it together. And again, that number 10 that they have, I mean, the way that she shimmies on the ball. I mean, yeah, she, she, she is head and shoulders probably maybe the best player in this league so that I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, it, and you think that they have been playing with each other for a long time, but a lot of them, it's their first time. And it's just, I mean, I guess they have, they're able to get more talent with the WPSL. Um, Stacey Enos is incredible. Yeah. Um, so, like, they just, it's a powerhouse. I'm just excited that they're here. So one of the main sponsors, obviously, even on the season kit, is Highwire, and the Salso Blues have done a lot of events down at Highwire. Can you kind of describe how that came to be? Is it part of the sponsorship deal? And what sort of opportunities have they given you? Sure. Um, so 
they're really cool right off the bat. As soon as they were announced, we all really hoped that we would have a beer sponsor. We didn't really care who. But to have someone that's Asheville, Asheville, that kind of embodies that culture, they all like soccer. Um, they were really awesome. Just start to start off the season last year, they came and met with us. Like they wanted to do stuff in house for them. And I mean, we are the South Slope Blues. We're not like the high wire blues. We're not trying to be super affiliated. We don't want a sponsorship because I mean, we have a lot of people that do go drink at Green Man and Burial and Catawba before the games. But high wire has just been incredible. They're uh, and it, it doesn't hurt that the Bluebeard is really tasty. Can, I actually have that as a question a little bit later. Can you explain a little bit about how that came to be? We, so Captain Bluebeard, um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's like a secret identity thing now because he's starting to refer to himself as Bluebeard on Facebook. Um, so I'll keep his name secret. That's his alter ego. Um, yeah, so he's just, I mean, I really had no idea that, that was coming out. We, there had been talk that that would be a cool thing to do, and I think last year they just put their flagship logger as the the ACSC uh, logger or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a good beer. It's it's, it's a shot it's shot gunnable too, which is very nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super crisp, not too hoppy, it's happy medium. It's Has really a good. schedule on the back of the can. Yeah. I, I believe it's in stores now. One of our soccer and sweet tea brethren found a six-pack down in Charlotte. That's good to hear. So keep an eye out for it, guys. So one of the unfortunate things about the NPSL is the season is only two months long. Three, if you want to kind of include preseason open tryouts and kind of the kickoff that the team sets up down at high wire. But soccer has really become a year-round sport. If you look at the Asheville Shield, if you look at the colleges being playing in the fall, high school in the fall, youth leagues, what can the South Slope Blues do to really kind of build the passion, not build, but uh, continue the momentum that is kind of peaks in the summer, right. but then obviously in the off season isn't quite there. Sure, um, I mean, it's hard because if you look at it, most teams of their supporters group, it, there's just more content they can put out. And it's, so I run most of the social media stuff, so it is hard finding stuff to, okay, it, we don't have a game for two weeks, and that's hard. And But then you go and, okay, season's over. You gotta start looking toward the next season, what do you do? Um, luckily, I mean, we've got US men's national games, so we're able to work with the people for AO and kind of keep that crowd going. So even when it's not channeled directly into Asheville City, like we're doing stuff, like we'll do events together. We've had FIFA tournaments at High Wire. We've had a few French Broad floats um, that end up at New Belgium. Um, so more of just keeping the community doing stuff. Um, Cause I mean, if you come over to the bleachers, everyone knows each other by now. Cause I mean, if you yell profanity with somebody, you're gonna know their name. Uh, so at the end of the day, we're all buddies and we, we try to do stuff in the off season, but yeah, it's hard. Um, so we kind of piggyback content off of the team and just keep people getting excited. So last year it was easy transitioning because there was the announcement of the women's team and there was tons of announcements. We knew that there was going to be more stuff going into Memorial. They're going to have redos. Uh, there's more news about that. So. I think at the end of the season, it transitions into more just relaying information to people for next year. Um, but we just try to keep it tight, tell more people about it. I think having Highwire doing the beer is good, just trying to push the brand as much, tell more people about it, because there's still people in Asheville that have no idea about Asheville City. Um, That's true. 
So I think just talking about it is helping. Is there any uh, effort to leverage the Just Play initiative, which we talked about on the last podcast, which is the club's uh, attempt to broaden the access to soccer in Asheville? So that's a relatively new thing. Uh, we haven't had a chance to really get our heads around like how we can do that as a supporters group. In long term, we do want to become a nonprofit. Um, we want to do stuff in the community. Um, I was doing so, stuff like that in Charlotte, and it's just something that we see the need for, especially now that like the team is meeting the need. Uh, we just need to have time to figure out how can we do that as a supporters group because we definitely want to, and I think that that's awesome that they're doing that. All right, well, we're about a season and a half into the club's history now. The women have played, I think, three league games now, maybe four after last night. What's been your favorite Asheville City Soccer Club moment thus far? Uh, moment. Jeez. Um, well, the pessimism going into the first game and seeing that there's actually people wanting to do the things that you do is great. But uh, moment, um, beating Atlanta. That was really good. That was nice. Because <laughs> um, we knew that we were decent last year, but just we'd get so much, so much crap on Twitter and social media and their fans. God bless them. <laughs> um, but all jokes aside, like that, just seeing a quality team that's been here for a while and being able to take it to them, like that was nice. Because you can show up here and yell all day and be extremely passionate, but if you're not having a result, then you start to think, okay, is there other ways that I could put all of this energy into something else? But having that like result and just resolve knowing that, okay, yeah, my team's good. And then you just jump farther, farther into it. And a lot that was the turning point for a lot of fans, too, because after that, then they're thinking, OK, this is my team. Because before, I mean, I love going and seeing the tourist games, but a lot of people that go there, they don't care what's going on in the field. They're there for the cheap beer and Thirsty something Thursdays. to do. Yeah, here's a plug for you guys. But yeah, so like after that, then people started following it and like really like supporting a team not just showing up for the food trucks and beer but starting to check the results of other teams in the league trying to see where we are on the table like what playoffs would mean to us that kind of stuff um but I, yeah after the atlanta win last year it was just like nosedive for a lot of people so that was probably my favorite so what would you tell someone who didn't know a lot about soccer but wanted to get involved with the south slope blues um, it's not hard. We're not an entry. You don't pay to enter the South Slope Blues. We don't have member cards. Um, it's just come yell, come like enjoy yourself. Because it's, I mean, you don't have to stand in the section to affiliate yourself. Like we want that just to be the fan base is the South Slope Blues. Even if you don't like soccer, come to a game. It's going to be fun. Um, enjoy the beer. Yeah, there's beer, there's great food trucks, there's something to do on a Tuesday night downtown Asheville I mean we're just I mean look at the mountains Pat's showing to pointing at the mountains to tell me to talk about it. they are great and, and the spiders and the spiders he might have been pointing at a spider cast content right there but yeah I mean yeah it's just I mean it's a beautiful place we live in get outside come yell with us I mean it's attracting enough people if you're not involved by now you should be um, it's fun guys I mean what do you do on a, on a Saturday night when it's beautiful outside? If you want to drink and be around good people and a good time, 
come support the, uh, the South Slope Blues, or come support with the South Slope Blues, our team here in Asheville. Man, I cannot talk today. I got molasses <laughs> mouth. Put that in the podcast. <laughs> so before we go into the last section, Greg, um, we're going to kind of have a question that we ask a lot of guests that come on the pod. And that question is, tell me something that you believe is true in soccer that almost nobody agrees with you on. That Liverpool should not sell Carius. <laughs> and I wow. and I I love the hot takes it, uh, you guys had on the first podcast because you know I was giving you guys a chance and it's your first one and I just like I kind of put it aside. I know we lost. We we'll move on the next day. Uh, just some great hot takes by you guys. Yeah, we um, we recorded that minutes after that game, and Pat was kind of flipping back and forth through the uh, replay of it, yeah. and that's uh, I why I could not they're... get enough of it. <laughs> no, Manchester yeah. United fan, I could not get it, enough. It was of it. nice to relive that moment with with you guys. Um, that that's what we're here for. So yeah. uh, to kind of wrap things up, we're gonna do some uh, rapid fired word association. So I'll. I'll Kind of ask a question. You gotcha. just say the first thing that pops into mind. Sure. Um, best NPSL kit. Uh, our oh, well, are we talking like this season or just in general? That you've ever seen. I love the Tropic Thunder of last year. Our away, our alternate. Well, yeah, it should have been an alternate, but we only had two. It was an away. Um, yeah, it was just bright. I still people. I can see people a mile away, and I know that they're wearing it because of how bright it is. Um, I didn't own it, but. That's pretty cool. All right, MLS. Uh, it's it's hard. Am I supposed to be like saying rapid fire one words on this? Or uh, just my thoughts. Yeah, your thoughts. Okay, I still don't know who I support. I mean, it's hard living here because you don't want to root for Atlanta because Atlanta, you see them in NPSL, they're they're no fun. Uh, <laughs> and then so I don't know. Like hopes, hopefully we'll have a closer team in the Carolinas. Hope. It's a good association for well, that. A Queen City just got a team. Unfortunately, it was not our Queen City. I'm kind of in the same boat. I I would love to support a team, but I'm kind of holding out hopes that Raleigh or Charlotte gets a team because right. I don't want to be an Atlanta United fan and then have Carolina get exactly. A team. Like you don't want to do that. And eventually, like we don't know if there's going to be pro reg. That's another conversation for pro reg relegation. But I mean. Yeah. Well, you, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I actually have that down as one of the word association words. Um, it would be cool. I don't think that like, cool. It would be great. I think it would be great for the sport if that system would work. I just don't think we're there yet. I think that the system that we have in MLS is going to be outgrown soon, and I think there's going to be a need for it. But the ownership for different teams where we have like the salary cap and the DPS, like that's just not. You have a lot of owners, and this is just my humble opinion, but you have a lot of owners that are going to be okay with just getting the TV right money, and they don't care how their team does because they don't want to lose ownership or they don't want to have to sell whenever they get relegated and no one wants to watch their team anymore. I think American fans have to prove themselves not to be fickle, and I mean, you see, that's why it's great on paper to say, yes, we're going to have a huge team everywhere, but they have to fill seats. And I hope that that would be the case in a few years. I think it's we're definitely making like the movement towards that as a culture, but it's not ready yet. I I hope and pray that it will be eventually. Yeah, my my thoughts are basically they're going to expand out to 40 teams and then create a first division and yeah. second division. Yep. I would love to see the PDL and PSL. 
uh, all of you know kind of create a full tiered system right. i think the biggest thing that's going to stop them is in England, you know, BBC, Sky, whoever's uh, showing it on TV, they've got absolutely no problem culturally setting up cameras in a rinky-dink 3,000-seat, you know, little field on the northwest corner of the island. Yep. I cannot imagine NBC, after paying the rights or Fox or ESPN for the MLS, being comfortable bringing the entire camera crew to Memorial Stadium. Right. So. There's going to be a lot of things that would have to shift for that. But, I mean, it's exciting. I think we will see changes because we have to. Something's going to give, and there's something going to change in the next 10 years. But just what that'll be, we'll have to see. Uh, Memorial Stadium. Home. It's nice. I hope it stays home. There's a lot of people talking about that it might eventually have to, we'll have to relocate. But, I mean... I think that you could easily build a cool stadium here. The Phil, I mean, we're looking at it now, and our supporters section is tiny compared to the long, long, long family section. But, I mean, it's, it's a great location. You can walk to all the breweries from here. Guys, if you're from another area, you don't support this team, that's fine. Just come watch some games here. You'll change your mind because you can literally walk to any brewery, like, within five minutes. Any great r restaurant, there's post-game stuff, pre-game stuff. You can't get that anywhere else. In Charlotte, you're going to spend 30 minutes walking somewhere. You're going to have to take an Uber because there's no parking. Plus, it's only probably a $2 Uber to get to the bars from here, too. Exactly. Another plug. Yeah. Do, do you know anything <laughs> about the renovations of Memorial? No, not really. I know that a lot of it's been accepted. That's. I mean, I'm just going on word of mouth. Um, but I know that things are in motion. They've been accepted. It's just when. It's not a matter of if. Things will get better. That's good. But, yeah, they, we need a lot of renovations. The field looks better compared to what it used to. Memorial was terrible. There was holes uh, everywhere. It looks good. We just need, like, the fan section. There needs to be locker rooms. Um, the list goes on. Parking. But, oh, my gosh. Could we use more parking around yeah, Memorial Stadium? Please. I don't know if you guys saw on social media or if you've even been out there, JBL got absolutely destroyed Trashed. by the yeah. flooding. They yeah. spent, I believe, a million dollars resurfacing it, and now after the rains of this past two weeks, uh, somebody showed me, they were walking their dogs out there and showed me a picture of water had gotten under the pitch, and Jeez. the center of the pitch was floating with water underneath it, and they're predicting another possible million dollars to God, fix it. That's, that's awful. Space. That's probably not going to help things. No, not at all. Um, all right, so Atlanta Silverbacks. Bad guys. Chattanooga FC. Good guys. Georgia Revolution. Um, not bad guys, but live near bad guys, and we sometimes yell at them like they're bad guys. Greenville FC. New guys. But I think Greenville's cool. They've got a great – I've had the chance to meet with the Milton operatives, and their leadership there is awesome. Uh, they've got a good city for that to grow. I just – I hope that the USL thing does not throw them off. Yeah, there's some major announcements apparently I saw on Twitter this morning coming out this week about that. Uh, the – <laughs> two teams one city hashtag has been appropriated uh, u.s men's national team um it's it, things need to change and i think they are uh, i think we've got a good future there with the young talent but there needs to be change 
U.S. women's national team? The best. They're just great. I don't think that's going to change. And last one, World Cup 2018. <sighs> Uncertain. I, don't, I still have no <laughs> idea who I'm supporting. I mean, the Liverpool <laughs> fan in me wants to support, I mean, Egypt. But, Egypt. but now we have, I have no idea what hap- what's happening there. And I guess Iceland. I just don't want it to be a big like. Oh, of course, Brazil, of course, Brazil or Germany or France is going to win it. I don't want it to be one of those things. I want it to be someone that no one saw coming. So is that why you're you're a Liverpool supporter? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So Peru, you have all of my support. <laughs> I love it. Well, Greg, any any last comments, questions, anything you want to try to shout out? Uh, no shouts needed. Just try to make to some games. Um, if you haven't tried out the supporters section and you're still over here in the, I guess it's brick concrete thing. Family section. Family section, guys. Just just try it out. It's it's not it's not scary. We'll scream with you, uh, not at you. And um, if you'd like to hold a smoke if you'd like to hold anything like we have jobs we have tifos we haven't been able to use them because it's been raining every every game but uh i don't know just find us on facebook find us on twitter instagram um just get involved where, where what are those handles uh south slope blues yep thanks for listening guys and greg just want to remind you you're smarter than us thank you i, I knew that <laughs> <laughs>